I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, boys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. As always, it's your boy Armando. Um, great episode for you today. I got... We're at the home stretch of the season here at Paddle and Finn. I think I got three more episodes before we wrap it up for the year. Um, I got today's going to be your minor. Next week is going to be Nolan Minor, your minor's uh, older brother. And we're in the off and the year off with um, Cody Milton. That's going to be the last episode, I think, for this year. And I think that's going to be December 6th. But yeah, we'll take a little like holiday break and then we'll wrap it up sometime in the second week of January with brand new content and episode in the paddle and fin and bass kayak and beers. But um, I love the suggestions that you guys are bringing. I mentioned it on the intro for Cody Milton's episode. Well, anyway, that's going to be further on the line, but I love that some of you have uh, emailed me um, or contact me through social media. By the way, you can follow me on TikTok, uh, paddle and fin. I mean, TikTok. Um, Instagram and Facebook on the Bass Kayak and Beers. Um, you can also email me if you want to get a hold of me. Email me at basskayakandbeers at gmail.com. Um, so I've gotten a lot of suggestions. I always ask for your feedback. So if you want to listen to some specific topic or if you want me to have a, any specific guests, just reach out. Um, uh, last suggestion I got was from Jay Valentin. He, he suggested I did more of the local regional uh, tournament directors. I know there's their job. Uh, it's a lot of sacrifice. And usually at the local or regional level, you know, those guys don't get paid. They do it because they love the sport. They love the community. And, you know, when you're a tournament director, you know, you, everybody remembers your name when things don't go well. Um so I always like to give props and shout outs to the tournament directors that really put in the work, you know, both on the local level and the national level. So I'm going to be reaching out some of the local um, tournament directors here in Texas. Last week, I got Chris Morales, who runs the uh, former Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League. And now he's rebranding in, into the Texas Kayak Bass League. You can check that episode out that came out last week. Uh, but yeah. That's that's pretty much it uh, here in Texas. I was going to start off complaining about the cold weather because we're down to the 30s. But then I realized some of you up there in the northeast are getting battered by snowstorms. So I'd be kind of foolish to complain about my mid 30s 
weather here in Texas. So, yeah, it, it's a little bit colder for Texas, but I know for some of you up in the Northeast, uh, you know, you're in my thoughts. I know it's it's getting battered or it's going to get battered in the next couple of hours with snowstorms. So stay careful out there. And uh, uh, I'm sure you won't be hitting the water for at least a few more days. So when you do, I uh, hope you get to enjoy the water. And uh, that's pretty much it. So this episode, again, we got UN Minor. Uh, UN Minor um, came up just short of the AOI. I was really pulling for him this year. Um, I, you know, I don't have favorites, but I really do, uh, respect, um, some of the anglers out there and, you know, I always work for them, uh, to at least have a great year. And your minor definitely had a great year last year, the national level for the Hobie TOC for the Hobie BOS, I should say, um, his freshman year, he put up, um, great numbers. I mean, great results. He was just, just almost got the AOY. Um, this year, his sophomore year, he backed it up with another great year. And again, just came a little bit shy, but sooner rather than later, this kid is going to win an AOI and a TLC. Mark my word. So uh, keep an eye out for this kid. So UN Miner is going to join us. Before we do that, we're going to quick uh, quick waypoints commercial and a shout out to my sponsor. Go to Douglas. Uh, DouglasOutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup of LRS, X Matrix, and award-winning fly fishing rods. We'll have you in mind and join us in just a bit. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Mr. You're minor, the prince. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Great, man. Thank you for taking the time uh, to join us. Is it uh, you in Tennessee, right? You? Yes, I is am. It, is it cold down over there? Is it getting cold? It's it's not warm. That's that's for sure. Uh, it's been, you know, 
low 30s, high 20s in the mornings, and warming up into the high 40s, low 50s. So still tolerable, but things are definitely starting to cool off. You, Not necessarily a bad thing. It makes the fishing really good in this part of the country. Yeah, it really does. Some people complain about Texas fishing in, in, in winter. I, I'd rather fish a cold front in Texas than 105 degrees on the middle of August in Texas. That is for sure. But uh, fishing is a lot better. Speaking of fishing, we were, I was mentioning before we, you and I started recording, and I'll have to ask you, did you ever think you would have a problem on the back wall where you have no more rooms for your big poster checks? I really didn't, but luckily they, they've uh, – they're starting to get a little smaller on the size of the checks. the The pay's going up, but the the actual uh, the poster checks they're they're getting a little smaller. So I should be able to squeeze some more in there. Yeah, more more digits on the check, even if the dimensions of it are smaller. It's it's a good problem to have. But congratulations, man! Um, I know you've this is your second season. Just looking at the wall behind you, I mean, you have a lot to be proud of. Um, what did you – How? let me ask you this. How surprised are you that you've been able to achieve this kind of success in kayak fishing? Because I know you've been boat fishing for a while now, but yeah, kayak I, fishing. I mean, my, my first kayak tournament was <clears> – I'd <throat> say my junior year of high school. I fished one of the Virginia – not quite sure what it is. Casey Reed runs them, uh, mm -hmm. or at least did at the time. It was on the Shenandoah. I should have cut a really good check, but messed up most of my pictures, but I was able to get big bass. Uh, I made sure to take every single possible angle and everything with that one. So I, I got big bass in my first kayak tournament, and then I fished a couple onlines. And between then and, and the my first BOS on – on Seminole, I really didn't fish much, but I, growing up fishing in a kayak, that's how I really learned how to bass fish was out of a kayak. So it's surprising to me that I can be this competitive with, you know, the highest up, highest level you can get. But I mean, just, it makes sense since I've spent so much time in a kayak. I, I know I've thrown the picture up there on social media a few times of me it was the first time I ever got to take my kayak out fishing. I was somewhere in elementary school. I was too, I looked small compared to my 10 foot sit in kayak. Holding <laughs> up a, I was holding up a bluegill, but it just shows that, you know, my parents, they really made sure to get us in the outdoors at an early age and got us in kayaks because with three kids, that's, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. It's very affordable. Did you um, did when you look at what you did last season? And nothing is guaranteed, right? Like just because you found success last season doesn't automatically mean that you're gonna duplicate that the next season. But you have obviously because you're talented. You're not a one-hit wonder. You just didn't stumble on fish. You like you mentioned, you grew up doing this. You love this. You you made it. You know your craft to get better at it and it shows in the results after the end of last season did you feel confidence that you were able to dupli duplicate i'm sorry what you did last season to this season 
Yeah, I figured I'm, I'm going to be cold. Of course, it's really hard to, you know, I think I had a first and two seconds last year as my top three. I knew that that would be very challenging to get. I came close to it, but just was missing that that uh, third really good finish. But, I mean, it's it's still just fishing, going to different bodies of water. The, the competition definitely stepped up a little bit this year. Uh, more people showing up to each event. A lot of new talent. You're seeing a lot of new names towards yeah. the – towards the tops of the leaderboards at these events. So and that's, I mean, that's a good thing. We're trying to grow the sport and seeing these events sell out earlier in the season. I'd really like to see all of them sell out next year. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no, we would definitely want the growth of the sport to become even better. You know, like I said on, um, the episode that's going to end two weeks with Cody Milton, you know, as a podcaster, you know, I feel like sometimes there's things that need to be called out and things that need to be said in order to grow, but it's never out of uh, uh, any, any malice. You know, we, I want Bassmaster, I want KBF, I want the All-American Bass Kayak Series. I want the new native uh, series, which is kind of like a previous MLF style, which is the, you know, uh, the bass by, you know, Big Bass Hour or whatever they call it. Um, I want all of them to succeed. Heck, even KFL. You know, it, it may not be my thing, but if it grows and it helps grow the sport, why not? You know, let's see it. Let's see it grow. And it's it it's all part of it. And that's what we, you know, try to, you know, we all want to grow our social media, our brand. But at the same time, we understand that, you know, you can't grow it by yourself. You know, just catching in a check is not going to, in your case, it's not going to help. It'll help you, but... What does it do for the long-term uh, uh, growth of the sport? And I know you're a great ambassador to the sport. Um, you know, you've, you've always conducted yourself where people um, really gravitate to your level of professionalism, um, your good character, and, you know, it shows both on and off the water the respect that even at a young age you've gotten from veterans like Ryan Lambert, Jeff Malata, and everybody else in the kayak fishing community. What when you look at what you did last season, it it seems to you know the I guess the thought would be well you know you came up short but you actually increase your overall angle of the year points from last year to this year I think you went up like four points like yes. you did your work to so even if you didn't get it you did manage to show improvements in your game. What do you think? What did you attribute that? Even though you may not have gotten the AOI, but just the the knowing that you got more points this year than last year. Really, just putting five fish in the boat every day of the TOC. That's if you don't do that, you don't have a shot. It's plain and simple. You have to finish, have a good finish at the TOC if you want a shot. And you know, the first two days of the TOC this year were really tough for me. I had a lot of a lot of fish in the last 30 minutes of those first two days that were even though looking at the results people might think that last day when you know i had my big bag was the most important there's there's some catches that i mean really really important catches i had late in the day on those first two days that that helped bump me up those you know, it's not necessarily about going out there and busting a big bag every day. You've got to get your five and you've got to survive to, to have a shot going into the final day. 
when you look at what you did last year at the TOC and this year, obviously different leagues, not talking about technical aspect of it, but the mental, psychological, emotional aspect, whatever you want to call it, of what happened last year, you know, when, when it was your tournament to win, you didn't get your, your 15 fish. What you Was there any lessons learned from that that helped you in this year? Well, last year, you know, I everything from practice that I had completely went away. So I had to scrap everything, go do something else. But I really didn't get – I never settled down. I was – I was moving 100 miles an hour no matter what I was doing. I was rushing, and I got the bites on day one that I needed, but I didn't get them all in the boat, probably just partially. Like When when you when you're doing good, it's easy to just relax, mm-hmm. focus on each cast, but when you're struggling and you don't know what's going on, that's the hardest time to really – that's when it matters most is to stay calm. You can – you can say all you want, but when, when you're in that position and you don't know what happened to your fish, I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like I had happen last year where absolutely. And it's not like they weren't biting. They left. I, I was catching them on live scope. They all disappeared. And it's, it's a mental thing. It's, it's not that I wasn't prepared. It's, when I went to make the adjustment, I might have changed where I was fishing, might have changed how I was fishing, but, but my mindset to, okay, I really need to slow down and, and just think about what I'm doing. I was just fishing. I didn't really have much of a purpose to what I was doing. So in the, on this season, like I know it was, it was tough at the beginning. When is, is there anything that you kind of said like, okay, you would have if this would have happened last season, like last you'll see, like it happened last year. Um, you maybe don't get your your 15 fish. Did anything in your mind say, like, oh no, wait a minute, I have to, I can't make this specific mistake, or I can't, I have to avoid getting going down this mental rabbit hole? Was there anything like that that kind of transferred to making? different decisions on this one regardless of because well, I, again i know it's a different body of water and all that but. yeah this year i definitely day one i noticed my my mindset was because i had a phenomenal practice i didn't didn't go telling a bunch of people i told them you know it's tough it's slow I wasn't catching many fish but i also wasn't making a ton of cast i was spending a lot of time looking at my electronics and I thought I was going to go out there and bust 95 a day, no problem. Like it's, when I got bit, it was 18 plus. The smallest fish I caught during practice that was a keeper was, I think, 16 and a half. So I was very confident. And I, I had a limit on day one pretty early, and I was feeling good. But as the day went on, I was getting more bites and more bites, and they were just small. And I just – kind of felt the felt the wheels coming off of the bus just i was scrambling i wasn't focusing fishing too fast and it it really like all the way up until the last like not many people know this but but i i 
I gave up with with 80 inches on day one this year. It was that big storm ran, rolled in. It was blowing super hard. And I Steve Fields was, was sitting there, and I told him, I was like, screw this. I'm not going to fish out in this storm. It's not worth it. And I was just hauling, hauling tail back to the ramp, and the thunder kind of settled down a little bit. So it's like, I guess I should make, make a few casts. And I caught a – because an 18 and three quarter and an 18 in the last 15 minutes called well, seven inches, which like it was, I had cut my losses at that point and I, I didn't want to be out in a storm. I was like, you know, I, it's like, I have a limit. I might be able to make something happen, but yeah, I, it was, it was a rough day on day one, but, but those two fish at the end of the day really, really helped anchor anchor my bag well going after day one how did you feel go you know how did you feel i'm sorry going into day two um you know when you looked at the leaderboard i think it was brady storms um yes brady stores i'm sorry um thank you for that uh he really like put a dominating performance did you feel like uh what was your mindset going into day two what were you trying to accomplish at that point At that point, I was like, all right, I've caught enough to survive, but I knew what I was doing. I was like, I probably – I didn't really see it getting better after that point because the cold front had already knocked my fish back, and I didn't know what to do. I showed up day one um, to – or day two to that spot where I, where I culled at the very end of the day. And the water went from pretty dingy to, and I think it was, is in the mid to high 60s mm-hmm. water temp. And I got there in the morning and it was low 50s, crystal clear. I fished stuff that I practice on or stuff that I felt confident from practice on for, it wasn't long, less than 30 minutes, I'd say. And I scrapped everything. And I decided that I was like, I need to go find some deeper water. And I knew that I was around the fish because there were so many people in the top Mm -hmm. that were smashing them in my area. And I just, you know, didn't have that little sweet stretch, which seemed to be, seemed to be very important. So I, I just started, I left everything behind me and I was like, it's not going to work when I went from places that were warm and, and dirty water to crystal clear, I was looking, I was like, there aren't fish here. Nothing's going on. Just left it. And when I was on my way to what I had, well, I had fished it in practice and I never really caught anything over. I don't, I didn't, I've never caught a keeper out of that, um, that area, but it was deeper water near those those grass flats that everyone was catching them on i was like with this cold front they should be coming here and the water was 10 degrees warmer there compared to where i had started the morning that's a big leap wow as i was i was working my way up there and i was looking i was like oh there's a kayak up there and there's a bass boat next to him well that was brady stores so I went up to him. I asked him, I said, Hey, where are you fishing? I don't want to get in your way. You've, you've got a really good shot of winning this. 
And he told me, he said, this isn't my primary area. He said, you've got a shot at AOI. He said, fish where you want to fish. Don't worry about me. And I, we went back and forth. I was trying to get him to not let me fish there. And eventually <laughs> a, a fish blew up. I mean, we were, we were within 50 yards of each other. We were on opposite sides of a, of a boat lane. But a fish came and chased bait. And he said, you should probably fish there. And I caught a 18 and a 17 on back-to-back cast. And uh, I guess I later on caught a 16 and some change off of that area. And it got really slow. And then I went and I found some some standing timber in 14 foot of water at the very end of the day. And I I had a a little spurt there at the end of the day. I had looked at, I had actually looked at it a little bit earlier in the day. And I guess I caught a 12 and a half off of that timber, but there were like five or six fish through 10 to 15 trees. When I came back at the end of the day, there were at least 50. So that had me feeling confident going into the, into the final day. I came back when I came back to the ramp. I told everyone at the house, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to catch them tomorrow. They're coming to me, which I guess I was right. I guess. Spoke into existence. <laughs> yeah. Day three was, it was nothing short of incredible. I've had a lot of good days on the water and it's, it's up there. I don't know if it's number one, but. I've, I've had better days lengthwise, weight-wise, but I just caught so many quality fish that day. It was – I started off in the morning where I had, had caught those two next to Brady the, the day before, mm-hmm. and I think I had 89 inches in the first hour, hour and a half. I was – at that point, I was – I knew that would have gotten me into worlds based off of – or at least should get me into worlds with based off of the way that, that things were going. And I just, after I caught those, those were on a small quarter ounce lipless crankbait. And I went, went just inside of that, that uh, river and that bank where there were, there were fish suspended in the timber. They were still there, but I couldn't get them to bite. And one of the guys I, um, that I was staying with, Brian Scarberry, he gave me a glide bait the day before. And I just, I tied it on. I'd never thrown one of them. And it was the perfect size for, um, in comparison to the bait fish that the fish were eating. But I noticed that those fish, they'd push bait up against the cypress trees because they almost made a bank, even though there's, I never saw a bank on the lake other than at the ramp. Yeah. It's, it's all cypress. But so they, every time that they, they just push them up against the bank and it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't like it was one would randomly bust here. One would randomly bust there. There was a hundred yard stretch. And when they would come up, it was, it seemed like there was a five pounder at every single tree. Wow. It was unreal. And I went up and down that a hundred yard stretch of bank all day long. And I kept catching them, 
kept catching them. And it, it just, from the morning till the end of the day, it, it, there were some periods of time that were slow, but it was pretty pretty steady compared to what I had seen. It was unreal. How many fish did you, you think you caught on day three? Thirty-five, forty-five. Wow. I think I was wide bait. Wow, I think I was listening to. Uh, I, well, I know, I know, I was listening to the KBN podcast earlier today while I was driving, and I think uh, Brian Nelly said he at some point, I can't remember if it was day one or day two, but he caught like a hundred bass or something like that. I'm like, wow, damn, that's even if even I maybe it's a little bit exaggerated number, but still, just the fact that you caught that many. Um, that they were that, you know, on kind of like crazy kind of weather, because like you mentioned, it was really temperatures were going up and down like Texas usually does. Then you had that storm coming in. So it's like it can really put you in a funk trying to figure out how they're going to react to the different climate changes. I think during practice leading up to the event, the fish were really spread out. That's why people yeah. were kind of just, you know, catching fish, but they were scattered and everyone had a, pretty good start to the tournament catching or a lot of people had a good start a lot better than I expected but you saw as the tournament went on like on Sunday there were very few small limits yeah. people that had limits had big limits and I think that's just that that cold weather really concentrated those fish and you were either on them or you weren't around fish hardly at all um the between the the way the wind affects that lake is i think that really played more than the the actual cold weather because it would blow this clear water in and that clear water would always be very cold compared to the dirtier water mm -hmm. and I just I avoided that that clear water, and I think you know there were probably a lot of people that their water temperature dropped, and they just assumed it dropped everywhere that much, but it didn't. It was there were pockets of warmer water, <clears throat> and there were there were a lot of fish in those those areas. That's really interesting because conventional bass fishing wisdom tells you you know look for clear water. Bass don't like it when it's muddy, murky water, but in this case. Even though that may hold true, in this case, it was more based on the temperatures, right? Like the and it wasn't even necessarily you had to be in muddy, murky water. But there's there was the muddy water that was good, and there was tannic water that could be clean, but it's it's not that the the clear water I'm talking about. It looks like it's a bathtub. You're sitting yeah. in six foot of water looking at the bottom like there's nothing there. Um, and that water was the really cold stuff. That that tannic, you know, typical for Florida or yeah. a lot of grass lakes, that water was still holding heat, but but that that clear stuff, it I think it was water that blew out from those really shallow flats. Mm. I think the wind pushed it out there and it, that's why it was cold. Interesting. Yeah, that I mean, I would have I probably would have made that same mistake that thinking, oh, I got to look for clear water. 
Uh, but like you mentioned, it's it, at that point, it's really the the temperature that dictates where the fish is going to be, not necessarily um, that it's clear or stained. That's great knowledge. And I mean, props to you for kind of like figuring that out and kind of like uh, making the adjustments. I wanted to highlight something that I think it's very important because a lot of times I think um, people kind of focus on the rivalries and stuff like that and uh, stuff that goes on and, you know, bad blood and stuff like that. And something that you mentioned really, I wanted to highlight for people that are thinking into getting into bass tournaments because I think this is like 99% of the experiences that we have on the water. And what I wanted to highlight is this is a tournament that the winner makes $45,000. And here you are day second, uh, day two, I'm sorry, with Brady Stores, um, who, who was leading, you know, at, after day one. And he's helping you to achieve your goals. And that speaks to why I love this kayak fishing community. Any other sport, it will be like, no, I don't want this kid to beat me. I'm not going to give him, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, block whatever access I can. I'm going to protect my spot. I'm not going to give him any tips. I'm not going to say anything. I'm, in fact, if I can, I'm going to last him to leave. Then you, yeah. but that wasn't the case with Brady Stories. And, and again, uh, props to Brady Stories. I mean, when you think about it, it's $45,000 on the line and this kid. I mean, and Brady Soares is is leading after day one. Yeah. And, well, you know, Brian, go ahead. Some people might think, like, I was like, okay, he's fishing up here. Like, I was planning on I, – I knew that he was fishing right in there, and I was planning on going on past him, and he wanted me to fish there. And, yeah. you know, he helped me out a lot, and – it it kind of it came back around to help him because on the final day uh he came back in and i told him uh, exactly what was going on in that area i was like it's they'll chase bait up i said if you get your bait in there they'll eat it and when he came back in there and he was fishing along and the fish Put a fish pushed bait up against the bank and he, he threw out there and, and caught a 19 and a half, which called him from fourth place to second place in the, in the end of the day. And he, he got his picture taken at two fifty nine and 30 seconds or something. Wow. That's uh, crazy. But, but he, he told me, he said that he, he caught that fish on a fluke and he said that he would have not been prepared with that bait ready to fire it out if I hadn't told him, yeah. hey, they keep coming up and blowing up, be ready. Uh, and I'm glad that I could help him out in that way because he – he Helped you, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for him saying, hey, yeah, you can fish any of this all you want, uh, I'm sure it, it probably would have been different if it was his, his primary spot, but he yeah. said that he just went there to kind of fill out his limit. Um, he could get a couple more bites there. But, I mean, if it wasn't for him telling me, you know, you can go ahead and fish any of this that you want, then I probably would have had a pretty terrible tournament. Yeah. It's, and that's something that a lot of people need to, to keep in mind when fishing yeah. kayak tournaments is we can't move around a whole lot. If, if you see someone 
and you want to fish the same area as them because I was I was coming there and I saw them was planning on going on past them. But if you talk to people, usually in kayak tournaments at least, like there are very few times that I've asked someone, "Hey, like, what do you want me to stay off of?" They yeah. usually just say, "Fish whatever you feel like you need to." That's right. I mean, it's usually when I have am in that same situation, I try to limit myself to a, you know, like if some random person had come in on the final day and asked me, Hey, what do you want me to stay off of? I would have said, I'm going up and down this hundred yard stretch of bank. You can fish anywhere else. There were fish straight across from me on the opposite bank and just learning how to, how to work together because we've got to share that water. There were a lot of people in that area. It's going to happen. And just respect on the water is it's communication between each other to make sure that you're not, you never want anyone to feel like you're just intruding on them. Yeah. But Brady was definitely, he's a, he's a stand up guy. Yeah, I really, yeah. really enjoyed sharing water with him. Yeah. And that's, that's what I wanted to highlight. Also, Brian Scarberry giving you a bait, you know, uh, that helped you out made a difference. Um, I know your brother Nolan Miner listening to um, um, to uh, one of the conversations. So, well, actually listening to uh, Brian Neely talk about his win, how he shared the water with Nolan Miner as well. You know, all that camaraderie. I, you know, it's unfortunate, and and I'm guilty of it uh, as much as anybody else. Of sometimes we highlight, um, you know, things that happen on the water that might scare off some people uh, people that are new to the sport or trying to get to the sport but the reality is 99% of the interactions we have on the water are experiences just like you and Nolan uh and Brian and Brady shared um which is good camaraderie people looking out for each other i know in Lake Darnell this year um i had that same experience um you know after having a good day one day two having conversations with other people on the water you know and and the same thing when i was in toledo been struggling i made it a point you know if if i if i'm in in the body of water i see somebody coming it's like hey man I, i'm just here from fishing at this after the after my struggles in day one you can have this spot you know and uh because it comes around you know yeah. what you put what you put into it like everything else is what you're going to get out of and that's why i encourage everyone and again for those out there listening that are thinking and maybe intimidated like i was at some point of getting into trails and national trails don't feel intimidated the majority of the interactions that you're going to have are going to be positive and are going to be interactions that are going to make you a come out and be a better person and and be a a good person and a good angler and a good competitor and again the, we're talking about a tournament that was forty five thousand dollars on the line you know i wouldn't have blamed anybody for being very protective and trying to chase the check but the fact that everyone involved, you know, uh, you know, from what your experience, Nolan's, Brady's, and Brian's, it's it's amazing to see that that you know we we still even with big money on the line, we still remember that we are humans first, and we have to we have we have a sport that can be dangerous at times with Mother Nature, and we have to look out for each other. So again, big props to to you and everybody involved in this. And again, if out there anybody out there listening. Don't get intimidated by it. It's guarantee you, you're going to have great experiences. 
like everything in life, you might have some um, um, not so pleasant experience, but that's if, if with everything in life. There's going to be the good and the bad. So just focus on the good things. Going back to the end of the year race, I remember asking you this question last year when I was kind of like highlighting some of the uh, top anglers that were heading into the TLC that had a shot at the AOI. And you were one of my first guests last year before the TLC. And I remember asking you, how did you prefer to go into the TLC with the pressure of being ranked number one, being the pole position, being the leader of the points, or just below it with a realistic shot, shot at winning it? I remember your answer was, I'd rather be in the pole position because I have control of myself. Looking back at it, last year you were in the pole position. This year you were in the fourth uh, position. What do you think? See, now that you've seen both sides of it, do you feel like being number one puts more pressure on more unwanted pressure on you? Do you feel that you were more comfortable knowing that you're, you know, that maybe you're not getting the attention because you're kind of, um further back how do you compare the tlc from last year to the tlc of this year in relations to the standings and how it affected you i really don't think that where i was sitting in aoi had an effect on me because i knew both years i had a shot at winning it like regardless of if you're a little ways back or you're in the lead you've still got to catch the fish um i didn't feel any I mean, I I knew that, like, I feel like people expect me to catch them at, at tournaments. So, regardless, you know, I was one of the names that was thrown out there, um, as well as my brother and all the other people up towards the top of the AOI race. But I expect myself to catch them. Like, it's – I'm still going to put the pressure on myself at every single event to, to do the best I can and – it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen regardless of if I was in the driver's seat coming in or not. It's uh, I'd still rather be in the, in the points lead because if I was in the points lead this year, I would have won the AOI. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just, I didn't have a good event on you follow and it is what it is. When you look at it from, you know, at the tournament, the start of the TLC, obviously, Easiest, the simplest ways to look at it is go there, try to get a win, and let the chips fall where it might. You know, you can't control what um, Cody Milton and um, I think uh, Russ Snyder was ahead of you, and Christian Fisher was second. Yeah. I think it was Christian Fisher second, yeah. Russ Snyder third, your fourth, and Nolan was fifth, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So obviously, the plan is simple. You know, try to win it and see. You know, where Cody Milton, the rest of the guys above you fall. And if they fall farther behind, um, then that gives you a shot at the AOI. Going into day three, I, I I don't know if you looked at the leaderboard, but it seemed pretty obvious by 9 o'clock who was going to win the TLC. I mean, Brian had an insurmountable lead. Yeah. And even even after you caught your five limit, you would need it to up. Like, it, was, it was daunting. To I would have needed another another fish and not even just any fish. I would have needed a, a six big fish to catch yeah. up. To him. He, he completely dominated the event and you'll, you'll get to, to hear a lot more about it when you have my, my brother on next week, but yeah, he, he had those fish figured out my brother. It's 
they had times that they were thrown in the exact same spot, and it was it was a specific bait that he threw. Um, he eventually, after he had it won, I mean, he knew he had it won. There was no one going to catch up to him. He gave Nolan one of those baits, and Nolan, yeah. Nolan made a made a few calls on it. Now, let me ask you this. So, did at any point, did you look at the leaderboard and say, okay, I'm not going to win it, but I'm still going to try to get the biggest bass you can, right, to try to give yourself? Did at any point you looked and started doing math in your head, like, I need to finish it. I need to finish this with this distance between Cody uh, to win the AOI. Did, you, did that even cross your mind? No, I was just worried about – I wasn't worried about – anything behind me on the leaderboard i was just worried about trying to get further up it i mean that's it's funny you, you know you can't control what other people do you that's true though that's true but i like i i guess there's two ways to look at it either you're competing like you guys are and i say this because i had even though the episode is going to air in december 6th um, I had Cody, I just recorded with Cody Milton yesterday when we're talking about it. And I was telling him, am I the only guy out there who's like transfixed on like, I want to see, you know, doing the math in my head, going hour per hour. Okay. Ewan is here. Cody is here. Ewing or Nolan is here. Russ is here. Is on this spot. How much? I'm always, I love the math. I don't love math, but I love doing the math of, trying to figure out who's going to win the AOI, especially when I already knew, like, by 9 a.m., okay, Brian is going to win the TLC. That's a foregone conclusion. As a fan, and again, it's different when you're a competitor than than it is to be a fan, obviously, because as a fan, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I'm just, I just get to watch you guys do, and this is what I would love at some point to be able to have this sport being televised, even if it's just pre-recorded. Um, but just to be able to see all the things that go on. But in my mind, I was like, okay, Ewan is here. Nolan is here. Cody is here. And I, and I was, as soon as they took the leaderboard off, I already had them. I already had written down the list. Okay. If Ewan finishes second, which I kind of figured by the timelines out, it's like, it's going to be like Ewing, Nolan, Ewan and Nolan going to flip flop between second and third. And then, then I was like, okay, so Ewan and Nolan flip flop between second and third. Where does Cody Milton have to fall down to for him to lose the AOI? To me, that that was super interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's crazy that neither you nor Cody were even, uh, if you're being honest about it, I'm sure you are, but that you didn't even thinking about that. That to me was the whole kind of, and I think listening to, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Ryan Lambert talked about it on the KBN. Uh, it looks like he was, you know, as fans looking at the same way, like, what's going to happen now who's going to bring aoy and i think that's that's that piece of the sport that once it gets televised and we can see it live we can be like oh my god this is going to be like the you know like the really exciting part about the sport having the game within the game of uh you know of watching the sport is what i i think it's, mm -hmm. makes it a lot more interesting a lot of people that don't understand the sport they just think it's just catching five fish but there's a game within the game especially when we're talking about aoy and the tlc you know there's a race there's the the tlc and then there's the angle of the year to you what what to you is would be more significant aside from the money because obviously tlc is forty five thousand dollars 
AOY is $5,000. Although AOY, that means you won a bunch of tournaments during the season too. So it kind of adds up. The math does the same thing, you know, uh, whether you win TOC or AOY. But as money aside, what to you means a lot more, a TOC or AOY? AOY. Um, the TOC is one tournament. You can, anyone anyone can go go out there qualify for the TOC and and then you know have the just have the fish on their side. Really, it's and it's. I know when Ryan Lambert won the TOC uh, here in Knoxville, he I've. I've fished that spot several times that that uh that he wanted off of, but those fish they just got they got really concentrated there. Same with Brian this year, and they found those fish. They got them to bite. That that's a whole nother thing. But it's you have to have all the stars aligned to to win uh the TOC. But with AOI, it's kind of that's a whole season. Yeah. You've got to you've got to really put in your work and and have some solid finishes to to get that. TLC aside, because I know the TLC for this year was a lot more. Did, obviously, you did a lot better than you did last year. But TLC aside, which one stings more? Not winning uh, the this year's AOY or last year's AOY? Last year's. You see, you're in the lead. I'm assuming, yeah. Last year was because I hooked the – well, I guess I did hook the fish to win it this year, but I don't know, just not having five on day one. That – that every time I don't have a limit, it just really, really bugs me. Oh, I, I, I would imagine. Yeah. And especially when you're – when you are accustomed to, you know, achieving this type of success. And I say that because, I mean, it's different uh, for each one. You know, each one have our own – kind of moral victories you know for me catching 10 fish uh you know in a two-day tournament you know five the first day five the second day i'm happy with that even if it's i'm in the hundredth position to me but for you obviously it's different you're you you expect more of yourself because of your pedigree as a competitor and the results that you already have achieved in the past and continue to achieve so there is that you know it's success is related to uh our own, you know, um, potential. And obviously yeah. your potential is a lot higher than most. Um, what do you, what have you learned from last year, this year that you want to take into 2023? If there's anything that stands out. I mean, it's just, I'm just slowly growing as an angler. That's, I'm getting more comfortable in my kayak. Now it's my kayak's my space. It's my own platform. I'm very comfortable with it. And that's, that's huge. Getting something that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Regardless of if it's because I'm sure Drew Gregory feels the same way in kayak as, as I do out there and my boat, as he calls it. Um, but yeah, just being comfortable with your equipment, the more bodies of water you see, the more experience you have, you're going to improve. And I don't think I've had any major improvements in, in the past two years, but it's just learning 
a few little things at a time. Because uh, that way, when you see something, instead of having to spend an hour trying to figure out what these fish are doing, you might see something happen on your electronics or, you know, a fish coming up chasing bait. And you've seen that before with similar conditions, you know what, what, what to throw or at least something that, that should work. One of the things that uh, I remember when I had Ryan Lambert for the first time last year, and I asked him, who do you think is the best kayak fisherman at that point? Um, the first name he mentioned without hesitation was you. And I was like, wow, that's high praise for somebody that's in the first year and such a young man, considering the, you know, there's Drew Gregory, there's Cody Milton, there's uh, uh, Christine Fisher, Guillermo Gonzalez, all those greats. But he was very confident in saying that. And one of the things he, he mentioned, why he believed you were the best at that more point in time, and even today, is because the level of confidence that, you, that oozes out of you when you're on the water. Even he can tell just by watching you cast that you have a certain you carry yourself in a certain way that just screams total confidence what i mean where does that confidence come from at such a young age knowing that you're going against guys that have i mean that have been doing this for so long um uh and are such great at it but what is what is gives you the confidence to think or to say you know to yourself i can go toe-to-toe with the best of them uh between experience and momentum really i i feed off of momentum catching fish just leads me into catching more it boosts my confidence and just i go out there and in my mind i'm like all right i can beat these people i've beat them before that's you, you kind of have got to have a little bit of a cocky mindset. Yeah. Not don't, don't put that towards your attitude, but, but going out there telling yourself I'm better than all of these people. I mean, that's to me, just that's the best way to, to have high confidence going on. The water is, is being confident that you can beat them. I mean, it's, that's all it is. Uh, and I think that even a lot of people that might struggle in tournaments, you know, if you go out there and you're thinking, wow, like I'm fishing against all these big names, you just, you got to have confidence in yourself, believe in yourself. And if you fish with confidence, I can guarantee you, you'll catch more fish. Yeah. It's interesting how the, the that works out because i think a lot of it is mental we we focus on what bait what's its water temperature what should i be throwing but once you start and confidence comes in after you get results not just in tournaments but personally like going out there fun fishing catching three five fish that's something that i try to do it's every time i go out it's like let me see if i can catch at least five fish versus when i started it was like i'll be lucky if i catch one in the next three months let alone today um, so that, that, you know, hard work breeds confidence. And I like what you said that there has to be a certain level of cockiness in it. And I, I feel that's the same way now. That is not something that you reflect, you know, most people won't reflect outwards. Like you're not going to be cocky, uh, you know, on the water uh, in the way you treat other people, but within yourself, there has to be that little 
beast mentality. There has to be that little cockiness that says, I can take this guy out or this angler out because it's females. Or, you know, even Christian Fisher, one of the best. Like, you have to put yourself in the mindset. Yeah, I can take him out. Yeah, I can boom them. Um, otherwise, you're not, you know, otherwise you just donate money so there there comes a point where you're like okay i've done this enough where i'm actually want to win a couple of more checks i actually want to get a couple of more uh well i actually want to get a few wins under my belt um but that comes obviously with doing it and practicing and and taking the time one of the things that i really admire about what you've done when the season started uh toledo band you you had I don't want to sound insulting, but obviously by your standards, you would probably say Toledo Bend was a disaster for you. I think you mentioned it um, this year. Toledo Bend was the biggest disaster exactly. I've ever had. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I know I had you on the podcast afterwards and you told about it. But one of the things that impresses, impressed me about it is, you know, you didn't, you know, a lot of anglers would, you know, you get it, they go on streaks, right? You feel confident, then all of a sudden, Something happens, weather change, a new lake that you've never been for, been there before. You have a bad tournament and your confidence, your psyche completely crashes and it lingers for two or three tournaments. But you really bounce back. Was there anything after Toledo Bend that made you question your confidence? No, I just. You just forgot amnesia and let's move on to the next one. Well. When I had four fish on day one of Santee Cooper, that that uh that didn't help me much. But it's just you know I had some unfortunate events with losing fish, breaking fish off in those events. I got the bite, so you can't be mad about that. Uh, and I don't think they were even things that I could necessarily control. It's just. I didn't get the fish in the boat. Well, one of the fish on Toledo Bend, I, 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 jabbed, one, I jabbed one with the net. That was definitely my fault. I left the net at home the next day. <laughs> I got mad at that net. I actually threw that net away at Santee Cooper at, after day one. Um, I just felt like it, it had a bad omen on it. <laughs> and I got a finally got a, got a net that I liked and, and – Broken Bow was my first tournament with that one. And you won it. No, you, you won it. You came second. Yeah, I know I there was a local – not a local guy. Who was it? Tru, uh, Trend? Tu. Yes. Tuvu. I stayed Tuvu. with him. T.S. T.S. Yeah. He's, a, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he's, he went there. He really earned that one because I, if I remember correctly, he went there like a week before and just – he just practiced his butt off. Um, one more thing that I wanted to touch on, and I, I remember um, talking to Cody Milton, talking about, you know, describing himself as a junk fisherman, which is kind of like, you know, dish the electronics, don't pay too much attention to it, and just focus on what's in front of you and, you know, go by instinct and by what you think you can, you know, catch. You seem to have a good... Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com 
knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Of both. Um, you, you're definitely known for the way you use electronics, and I've heard from more than one angler saying if they're the best angler, kayak angler, with electronics by far is you and minor. But at the same time, you've had success on on lakes that are not really conductive to uh, using electronics, such as uh, uh, cattle, and on 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 river trails that you also you know they're not a lot of deep water. What do you feel you're better at? Is it really is it electronics the strongest part um, of your game? <clears throat> I. I Sometimes I surprise myself with, with live scope. I've just, I, I enjoy using it. It's, it's really whatever you enjoy doing the most. Um, spent a lot of time just catching crappie and white bass and stuff on live scope. And that, that really just, it helps with, if I see a fish at, at 60 feet, I can hit my bait at 65 feet every single time, five feet past it, just because I've used it so much, not even bass fishing. Every time I go out, I, I use it. I can still catch fish shallow, fish shallow all my life, but just, just having something that you you're really good at, it, it helps. And that was, it just kind of came naturally to me because I've always liked sight fishing for cruisers and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which played a lot when I when I fished the tournament on on Hartwell uh, in the BOS in the spring, and just having something you're confident in. I was watching fish react. I love doing that, and whether it's watching them do it on a screen or watching them do it with my eyes, that's part of the glide bait at Caddo on, on day three, just doing, having a bait that you can manipulate to where the make you make the fish react. That's, I've always found that fascinating watching how, how fish move and knowing when they're about to bite. And you can use that same, you can read their body language on, on forward facing sonar, just like you would if you're looking at them in clear water. And that's, it's kind of understanding fish behavior, just stuff you've seen a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. And and I, congratulations again, man. It seems like you're not, you're not like, what is it? Like one, one trick pony kind of thing. You will well-rounded, even at a young age, you're well-rounded and you're only going to get better. You're going to get better with electronics as electronic gets better. And your instincts as a fisherman and side fisherman are going to get better as, as you know, as you go into the sport. So it's kind of scary to think how good you're going to be five, six years from now, as we see the sport of kayak bass fishing uh, evolve and grow. And if, if, and if it is your decision to stay with it or move on to bigger things, whatever it is, we wish you the, the most success. I wanted to ask you this question and I know this is, this might be hurtful <laughs> to ask you this, but I got to ask it. 
each year we see stuff that happens and then there are rule changes. Um, one of the rules that kind of came back to bite you, I would say, is used to be the TOC was double points and there was, you know, and probably unfair to uh, Jordan Marshall because he got the, like, I felt like, you know, like, I felt bad because it seemed like Jordan Marshall needed to apologize, which he actually has apologized for 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 something he doesn't have to apologize, obviously, for winning the T, the Angler of the Year based on what he did on the TLC compared to what you did on the season, and fair or not on uh, fair or not fair, obviously, the results cost you the TLC. This year, the rules have changed. If it would have stayed the same, you probably you would be the Angler of the Year this year, probably because the points would have been double. So that means you would have ended up ahead of Cody Milton. Did you think about the irony of that? Like, man, if if they wouldn't have changed the rules, I would have. I've thought about it, but I think that that's the way they have it now is the way it should be. Cody went out there and whooped everyone's tails, and he earned it. He had a better season than anyone else, flat out. It's not like he just had a mediocre season. Well, not a mediocre, but a better than average season and went out there and smashed him on the TOC. Other people stumbled. It's he was consistent. He had really good finishes and he did better than me. Like flat out. He, he did better than any, everyone else. He caught him at, at those three events and he caught him at the TOC. And I think he deserves it more than anyone else. Uh, and that, and that's true. And the, I mean, the rules were, meant for that to kind of highlight the season it just seems unfair you got the short end of the stick because either the rules came a year too early or a year too late it would have been a year earlier you would have won it last year would have been a year later you would have won it this year i'll get it (laughs) either ways i felt bad for you in that aspect i did not know that until they called out the aoi (laughs) um i no one told me they, they changed it. I heard that they were going to change it. Oh, you didn't know they had changed it? I did not. Really? I, I, was, I wasn't I was paying attention to the AOI stuff. I didn't want to think about it. Um, I probably would have fished Wolf and Fox if I knew that it wasn't double points. Don't know if I would have been able to call a finish out, but um, it's just might have changed my, my approach a little bit more and, and trying to really close that gap a little more in the last few events. I thought it was funny when Jordan Marshall um, got up to the stand, you know, when he collected his checks. He's like, I hope one of the minor brothers so people get off my case, <laughs> which I always say. I had Jordan Marshall. I don't know if you listened to that episode. I was like, man, I feel bad because it's like it's it seems like you're the evil guy that stole your minors. And, of course, that's not the case. That was just the rules back then. But at the same time, looking at it today, it's like, man, you're minor. I could see how your minor would feel cheated twice by the rules. <laughs> but Jordan speaking of I, that. We've, I mean, I barely knew Jordan at, uh, at the TOC last year. But but since then, we've spent some time together on the water. And, and I've become – become very close friends with him and he's he's a he's a great guy he actually he calls me his his little brother yeah. it's kind of funny that that uh i fell right at the toc i fell right between my actual older brother and then my as i would say my my adoptive brother. <laughs> yeah no and, and he and i did have him on the podcast and he did speak highly of you um which is great and he was telling us a story about um 
the um, angle of the year race in Tennessee uh, that you called them and you're like, you better get a 24 inch bass, otherwise you're losing it. So something like something on all those. Uh, lines. It, was, uh, it was we were we were fishing a turn at the state championship. State championship, uh, that's uh, right. Chikamaga. Chikamaga. He, he, he barely beat me. I almost got – I told him, I said, I'm going to catch another big one and I'm going to pass you, but I just didn't get that bite. I was no. feeling very confident. But we're on and off the water. We're always calling each other, talking crap, and, and it's it's good to have a, a few friends that, that you can be a little cocky with. And Yeah. little trash talk never hurts. Yeah, I, I, I never trash talk a random person. But, <laughs> yeah. but him and him and Ryan – and Jackson as well. We we're always trash talking each other and helps keep things interesting. Well, you got one of the best trash talkers as a mentor in Lion Lambert. And I say that obviously with respect, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good coach. Mm -hmm. uh, trash talking coach, Ryan Lambert. Love Ryan Lambert. Uh, one, I wanted to ask you one more thing. I completely forgot what it was. Okay. Um, speaking of rules, there's, you know, what's dominating kind of the headlines now that the season is over is rule changes and what rule changes should come in your mind, Ewan, do you feel there's should be any rule changes? And if you do, what rules do, would you like to see upgraded or changed? So how they had the designated launches at the mm -hmm. TOC. I honestly love that. I hate looking and trying to find ramps, hate trying to find out if it's public or not. It gives a nice clear line you can launch here or you can't launch here. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that because instead of looking at an area of the lake and then trying to zoom around on Google Maps, try to find a, a ramp, and you might not find the closest ramp and someone beats you to it, just being able to – they had it. You clicked on the, the link and it pulled up Google Maps and it had, had markers on each, each of the designated launches and – I'd really like to see that moving forward. Uh, I think pe people are probably going to – I'll probably get a lot, of, a lot of hate for this, but I don't think that the portaging rules should be as strict. I think that if I can be out there and I can look at them and watch the fish eat my bait, why can't someone go drag their kayak over a log? I no. mean, I think there should be some sort of hard boundary – to prevent people from, you know, going to a whole nother body of water and the designated launches will, will help that. But I mean, even in the event of someone on day one goes and smashes them in the back of a Creek, we have a storm overnight, a tree falls. Yeah. In a kayak, they can, that's the point of a kayak is to be able to get back to stuff. Like I think that, that as long as you stay on the same body of water, you launch it. I think that's why the designated launches would help because you wouldn't you wouldn't have as many issues with oh this person's barely even you know people worried about they were on the completely different body of water. Yeah. Um, but but I think that it's it's fun to drag your kayak over yeah. stuff. It's it's part of what kayak fishing is and as long as they have those, those hard boundaries, if you can't go past this point up so or so Creek, if there's a log there or a, or a shallow shoal, go past it, drag past it because there's with the, 
you can float down a down a river now during a regular event. Yeah. How come someone that doesn't have someone to give them a ride can't go drag up that that shoal? Yeah. Um, but aside from that, uh, I like that that you can communicate on the water. I I like being able to just sit there on the phone. It helps keep me calm. Just I'll be on the phone with Jordan or Nolan or Ryan and we're really just having normal conversations. It's not even, Oh, you need to come throw this there. It's, it's, uh, you know, just keeping each other company. It, it, it gets lonely out there by yourself in a kayak with slow fishing helps, helps me keep my head in the game. But yeah, just, I mean, really, I feel like the, the communication and the boundaries, portaging, those are the, the hot topics right now. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to fish in a kayak all day without being at least having someone to talk to. Yeah, no, and, and I and I totally agree with you. I don't I, I really could care less about the uh, communication rules. At the end of the day, you have to catch them. I mean, people can tell me, hey, you know, and it's it's like in the Hobie BOS. I know I know it's like. You can't ask anybody, you know, other than somebody's fishing on a tournament, yeah. which kind of like was kind of weird because I was in Toledo Bend. You know, there was an, another tournament running beside it, which was the Southeast Takes Sky Bass League. So I can ask you, but maybe the person right next to you is only fishing the Southeast. So I can't ask them, even though yeah. they hold. So to me, the communication part of it is like you still at the end of the day, you still have to catch them. Yeah, um, there's, there's going to be people that help each other out. Yeah. But- I mean, I think you should be able to help each other out. Yeah. It's, it and, helps build a, a tighter bond throughout the sport when, yeah. when people are able to help each other and it's not – you're not completely isolated from them. Uh, and, I mean, if other people are doing it, why aren't you? Yeah. There's no reason. It's that- You just got to – regardless of – if you think other people are better than you, if you have three or four people, a tight, tight knit group, uh, it happens, you know, college tournaments too. You're not allowed to communicate on the water over, you know, over your phone, uh, in college tournaments, but still you get off the water, you, you talk to your team, see what's working, see what's not. And you can really, really increase your success. And a lot of a lot of professionals do it. I think they completely got rid of uh, communication in MLF, like even between days of the tournament uh, for the the pros. And and I know a lot of them aren't aren't very happy about that because they can't even they can't even talk fishing with their buddies. Like yeah. it's, but which yeah. is hard for fishermen not to do. Let's yeah, be really. Like it's. I think it's very hard. If it's and the, the I don't know if it was really made public the or if it was just people within the TOC, but AJ did a, a self-report uh, text. You just, if you're on the water and say you're throwing a, a, a green pumpkin jackhammer and some old guy comes by on a boat, yeah. so you need to be throwing a white one. Well, instead of worrying, oh, if I win this and I get a lie detector, like, even if you don't use that information, like, 
you still received it. That's breaking a rule. And he made it to where you just text him, tell him what happened. He sends it out at the end of the day in an email to all competitors says, you know, an angler was told to throw a white jackhammer and gives everyone that information and you don't have to worry about it. It just takes the stress off of your shoulders of, Oh, this random guy told me something. I wasn't even trying to get it. And that's, that's a double edge. And I didn't know about that, but that to me is a double edge because somebody, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. Um, but well, what I'm saying, I wouldn't do it. Let me clarify that. But, you know, get 200 anglers on a specific body of water. I wouldn't put it past somebody to leak. Oh, throw a fluke when the fluke is not what it, you know, because then they start, you know, people can easily uh, throw down false information to throw. A I'm, so I'm, that, that, I'm sure there was false information yeah. going around, but that's, there's always doc talk. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's what I mean. Doc talk in an email. And that's what I, what I, what I side with you, what I think you're right. If, if you really can't police it evenly, then why have that rule? Like to me, the cold communication rule is, and I get it, you know, and, and again, I'm not criticizing AJ. AJ is always going to try to look what's best for the sport. And his way of thinking might be different than mine. Doesn't mean he's a bad tournament director. Doesn't mean that I think he's horrible and that you could, no, no, let's, let's pump the brakes. I don't want anybody thinking that I'm crit- here playing armchair tournament director and criticizing AJ. I'm not saying that at all. He, you know, he has a way to think about it. And at the end of the day, he's a tournament director, far more experienced than I am, by the way. Um, so my thought process is like, I could really care less who tells who what, because at the end of the day, as long as the person that's winning it, catched it on his, catching himself, nobody gave him the fish. Listen, you earned it. It's all yeah. about getting information, like, and, and knowing. Otherwise, we're just out there trying to stumble on fish. So I really, I could care less. I'd rather have it just open and that way it kind of, it doesn't matter who said what because it's not part of the rule because at the end of the day, you have to catch him. The porting game rule, I actually agree with you on that one. I think, listen, if we all throw from the boat public boat launches and you want to hike up 20 miles to find your fish and you're willing to portage through uh, trunks and and sh- uh, whatever shallow beds or whatever oyster bars, whatever you, it is on the way. And you want to put physically the demands of going through it and coming back, by all means, do it. You've earned it. Like you do it. I don't think you should throw this is I'm beating a dead horse here, but my main thing is don't, don't launch be below, you know, on the other side of it and just say that if you could, you sh- that if you could wanted yeah. to, you could have done it. That, that to me is just, unethical but so i agree with you with the portaging rules i mean if listen if, if you can manage it and you don't and you, you don't mind going through the physical uh part of it by all means do it if as long as the water is connected and it's not a man-made uh, obstruction but again that, that will leave it up to the tournament directors but what i think it's key it's going to be the um bound the um more than anything the designated launches is what's okay. going to change it um and, and at least that way kind of like not everyone is in the same place, but at least nobody's launching 
20, 30, 10 miles away on isolated creek where we don't know what's going on. You know, everybody's different launches. Everybody is, you know, it's it's not in the obscurity where nobody can see you and get away with funny stuff and stuff like that. And as the checks get bigger and bigger, now we're up to $10,000 regularly on a Hobie BOS tournament. You know that money is going to bring in attention. We've seen it on the walleye tournaments. Definitely. You know, when there's money involved, there's going to be people that are maybe just not in for the right reasons. So that's why I think the rules are to avoid having people outside of the kayak fishing community come here and try to take away from what we've, you know, in the community have built and earned by getting, you know, by supporting these trails. Real quickly, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you your relationship with Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, why am I saying Nolan Minor? You both, your older brother, what's the rivalry like? I know you, you, you know, as brothers and siblings, you help yourself within the rules. You help yourself on the water and all that. But is there any trash talk between us? Is there, is there at any point in any tournaments that if you're like, I want to beat my brother or Nolan on the other side, I can't let my little brother show me up. Is there anything, any of those dynamics in your relationship once you're on the water? I mean, I always want to beat him. Uh, one of one of our buddies, uh, he he's from New Jersey, I believe. His name's Mike, but he does he doesn't fish kayak tournaments or anything. But he's he's got a we've got an ongoing joke called the Elite Miner. Who's the Elite Miner? And you can ask Nolan about it. Uh, he he determined that since I got since I beat Nolan in, in AOI that that I remained the Elite Miner. Um, but I'm, I'm always wanting to beat him. I'd never wish anything bad on Nolan. Of course, yeah. Uh, but I mean, we're just both very competitive fishermen, but we know how to help each other without hurting ourselves. Like for example, the TOC, I had to go to class on Tuesday. So I got to practice Wednesday and Thursday. Nolan was down there. He started his practice on Sunday. And what he determined in those days was, okay, I can, I'm not getting bit here. I'm not getting bit here. This is the only part of the lake that makes sense. So he was able to tell me, hey, this is, he said, this is where I'm fishing. He said, you can fish this stuff. And he sent me a waypoint and said, do not go over here, which is where, um, where Brian Nelly won. So, I mean, that's, we know our boundaries and he helped me out. I help him out anytime that I, that I can. And we just try to work together and, and not get in each other's way at the same time. It's awesome to see you, you know, that as brothers and siblings kind of like go, you know, back and forth. And you ended up second and he's third on the AOI list, right? Yeah. It also, yeah, that's it. I got second and he got third, but also uh, it goes the other way because at Toledo Bend, after I had that tough first day, at the end of the day, I made a late day move and almost made it happen to get my five fish and five pretty good ones too, but I didn't. I told Nolan, I said, you have a limit. He had a small limit, but it was enough to be, be in the run for a check. And I told him, I, I gave him everything I had in that area. I was like, hey, this is, 
you know, I had some big fish here, some big fish here and some numbers over here. And he went in there and he had a phenomenal day too. moved way up the leaderboard and he cut a, cut a pretty good check in that event. So just, I mean, being able to help each other out, especially in that situation, you know, you're out of it, but the other person, you know, maybe what, what you learned during your day, because you never go out there. And if you're going out there, not learning anything, you're doing it wrong. Uh, but just helping each other out, even if you might not think you're on them is good, but sometimes there's a few things that can, can really help. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's good to see that there's that camaraderie and that symbiotic relationship where, you know, you both gain something um, out of this, not just one way. I know I've had you for an hour and 20 minutes. So I thank you, Ewan, for your time. Um, I wanted to give you a couple of minutes to, you know, do your plug, shout out whoever you want to shout, sponsors, friends, family, uh, and where can people follow you on social media if that's your thing? All right. So I've got to thank Dugout Bait and Tackle. Jamie, he rigged my kayak, and everyone knows I'm always using my electronics. I'm really good at it, and part of that is it's rigged right. It's rigged the best. They, There's no one that does electronics better than them on kayaks, and I – a lot of my success it's at least the electronics are a, are a factor of it. Um, they great service. If anyone's in the anywhere in Georgia or Southeast, go to dugout in Marietta, Georgia, they'll take care of you. Uh, bio power, they power those graphs that, and it's, I had a different brand that I'm not going to specify, but, prior to that and i noticed a significant difference when i when i switched batteries um it's a even though they're they're all 12 volts the the previous batteries i'd start my day at 12.1 volts these ones i i started around 13.5 13.6 and that that helps significantly being over 12.6 volts is kind of the magic number with those the forward facing sonar um, Revo sunglasses, they're, they're a, a sponsor of the Ryan's podcast, Ryan and Jeff's at KBN, but they're incredible sunglasses. I've been wearing them for a little over a year now. I've got no complaints at all. I drop them. I throw them off my hat. They slide across concrete. They're great <laughs> glasses. Uh, and use all cigar line. Uh, Z-Man, they help the team out a lot. And I use my Newport Vessels, the NK-180S. That, it took me a, a little while to get used to practicing with the trolling motor and not just going, oh, this place way over here looks awesome. I'm going to go check it out and spend it the whole day. But once once I was used to not having to pedal places, I, it it really helped my, my efficiency during practice. Um, Are you also you? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I was I was just gonna say social media. Instagram is Ewing underscore Minor, and then Facebook's just Ewing Minor. So pretty simple. There you go. Go follow this uh, young phenom that is your Minor. You, I gotta ask you. Are you still with uh, Douglas Rods? 
no, there was um, some people that that left the company that I yeah. that I was working with. Uh, I'm sure, you know Donnie and Caleb. Yep. And the my partnerships are through Dugout. Um, since Dugout, I'm on the Dugout team, and there's just that connection between Dugout and and the and Douglas just kind of dissolved after after they they moved on to wherever they they went on in their their uh, their careers. But nothing against the rods. I still love the rods. They're great rods. Um, used them at the TOC. Got big fish in the boat, but. I'm working, trying to work through a couple different brands and and find another company that that has a quality product, and we'll we'll see where that ends up at the in next year, and hopefully, I I like working with smaller companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got your big Blues, Abu, Shimano, the, the big guys in Iowa, I guess, but. It's just the customer service that you get from a smaller company like Douglas, for an example, is it's top notch and just supporting small American made made companies is I think that's a a big, big factor in in keeping the industry going. Yeah. And any any company, raw company or whatever company that. Um, get to have you on your team are fortunate. Uh, great ambassador, both on and off the water. So again, congratulations, Ewing, to all your success on and off the water. Exciting to see uh, your success. Uh, you know, and we looking forward to what comes next year. I am completely sure you're going to be in the running for the TOC and the AOI in any tournaments that you're out there, both locally and regionally. I think you, you, you've earned uh, high presses from all your peers um, in, in the kayak fishing industry. So congratulations on all your success. Thank you. My pleasure, man. So f- for those out there listening, uh, again, thank you. If you made it this far, go check out the sponsor, douglasoutdoors.com. Uh, if you're going to be on the water, always wear your PFTs. Don't forget about your PFTs. If you're going to have a couple of beers while you're out kayak fishing, make sure you drink responsibly. Make sure you like make it back home to your loved ones, especially now that winter is coming, water and hypothermia become a factor now. So please take care of yourselves out there in the water. Have a great day, everyone. Peace out. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.